it has a richness and it puts me into a, a posture of awe towards God that I, I really enjoy. But as I was thinking about how to talk about it, I realized that it connects with me because I've spent time thinking about it and kind of wrestling with the difficult parts of it. And just telling you that isn't enough. You're not going to experience it the same way that I did. So rather than just doing that, I want to teach you how I studied it and teach you what it's like to meditate on Scripture and use that as an example so that you can have the same experiences with Scripture where you think about it and you wrestle with it and come away knowing more about God. So I'm going to open us in prayer. That's kind of the, the theme for today is meditating on God. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your presence and thank you for the fact that we can be in relationship with you and know you intimately and personally. I pray that you would speak to your people today, that uh, the words that I say would be guided by you and that the things that you want people to hear, uh, they would remember and that anything that I add in on my own strength would just fall on deaf ears. I pray that you would teach us today and help us learn how to better be in relationship with you and how to use your scripture to guide that. Uh, I, just, I pray that you would be with us and you would be glorified in this message today. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so before I talk about how to meditate, I think I should define what that is, right? Because you might be thinking about like somebody sitting with their legs crossed and their fingers like this or mantras or inner peace. Maybe you're thinking of a religion like Buddhism that makes meditation imp an important component of their religious practices. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a guy named Richard Foster that wrote a book on Christian or Christian spiritual disciplines and has a chapter on meditation. And he has a quote that I really like. It says, Eastern meditation is an attempt to empty the mind, period. Christian meditation is an attempt to empty the mind in order to fill it. The two ideas are radically different. In other words, to paraphrase another section of that chapter, secular meditation is about detachment. You're trying to detach from the world, from your experiences, from your pain, to become one with the universe or something like that. It's all about removing yourself from your circumstances. But Christian meditation is about attachment to God. You're removing distractions so that you can focus on God. And they're, so they're, they are different concepts. And why should we meditate? The simple answer is that God tells us to. Uh, if we look at, I have a couple scriptures. The first one is Joshua 1.8, where God is giving commands to Joshua. And he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. And so, God's our creator, right? He knows what's best for us. So if he tells us to do something, you can be sure that it's a good idea. And there's other scripture that backs this up. We see in Psalm 1, the first two verses, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God, earnestly, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. So unsurprisingly, the psalmists see benefit from following God's commands to meditate on him. Right? They notice the, in Psalm 1, there's blessings. In Psalm 63, there's spiritual satisfaction, like eating, filling your stomach with good food that results from following God's commands to meditate on him. And one thing I want to point out here that I'll get into more later is that some of, the, some of the scriptures, like Psalm 63, specifically talk about meditating on God 
and other scriptures talk about meditating on scripture. The ultimate goal is to meditate on God, to grow closer to him in relationship and understanding his character. Scripture is one of many ways to do that. So you can meditate on scripture as a, to help you focus on God, but scripture isn't the end goal there. So that's what meditation is, and that's why we should do it. Now let's talk about how. Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all answer to this question. Our, each of us has a slightly unique relationship with God and uh, spends time with him and hears from him in different ways. So I can't give you an exact like, outline of what to do. I do have a general framework, and I'm going to go into each of my points, but I specifically left the details off of the slides because I don't want this to become Matthew's four steps to meditating with God and where you feel like you can only do the things I talked about. It's definitely a, a fluid and personal thing that, like I talked about with driving, you have to experience it to completely understand what it's going to look like for you. So I have general guidelines that can be helpful, but don't take this as the only way to do it. So with that, that said, the first point is focus on God. Just eliminate anything that distracts you from keeping your attention on him. And this can look different for different people, right? Music is a good example. Some people like to listen to music to drown out the background noise, and that helps them focus. Other people get distracted by music, and so focusing looks like taking out your earbuds and just letting the background noise be the white noise in, that you don't have to think about. It's whatever is helpful for you. And there's similar things like that with whether you, the environment that you find most useful or you know, the, all the different components of your environment that go into helping you focus. Figure out what helps you eliminate distractions the most. And one thing that can be helpful is God has given us several tools for focusing our attention on him. So you can meditate on God by studying scripture or by praying or by singing worship. Uh, scripture especially, like I mentioned earlier, comes up in his word a lot that people use, will meditate on scripture and his law and the things that he's written uh, as a way to focus on him. But you can also, I know some people will write songs or poetry. The Psalms are people writing poetry as meditation on God. Uh, I find journaling particularly helpful to force me to have thoughts in a coherent order and get them all down on paper. So, and there's, I'm sure there's more things that I haven't mentioned, but all of those are different ways that you can help focus your attention on God. So the second thing, once you're focused on God, ask questions. If you're studying a passage, reflect on what it means, what it teaches you about God. Uh, ask questions like, does this connect to another passage, or does this make me think of a song that has lyrics like this? If you're singing a song as meditation, think about the lyrics and what they mean. Do they connect to a passage of scripture that they're inspired by? Kind of uh, turn things over in your head and give the opportunity to, to speak to you and show you things that you might not have considered at first. Try to connect it to other things you know about God to build on the concept that you're meditating on. And then the third point, which seems like a given since the second was asked questions, but I think it's important, is listen for answers. If you think of a verse, go read it. Uh, see if it connects to what you are already thinking and meditating about. If you think of something more abstract, like a picture or a word or an idea, think about if it's relevant, think about if it means something, uh, and if, it, if it's connected to what you're already meditating on. And then for anything that you, you think might be an answer from God, uh, check if it's aligned with Scripture, right? God will never contradict the words that he's already given us. And so as you're learning to do this, as you're learning to meditate and hear from God, there will be times where your own thoughts 
distract you or come up and it's hard to tell what's from God and what's not. So you can always check against scripture and you can always check against other Christians that you trust and tell them, hey, I thought this might be from God. What do you think? Does that align with what you know about him and what you've read in scripture? So listen for answers. And then the fourth point is just practice. I have this passage from John 10, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is talking. He says, the sheep hear his, that is the shepherd's voice, and he calls out to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And then in verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So have confidence that you can know the voice of God, that as you practice something like meditation and get more used to hearing from him and figuring out how to discern your own thoughts from things that God is showing you, you, that you can learn uh, to hear from him more clearly and your meditation can help you draw closer to him. Okay, so that was a, that was a lot of information. I realize <laughs> I kind of did that a little quickly maybe. So just to recap, we medita- meditation in a Christian sense is different from a secular uh, like yoga or mantras sense. The point is to attach in relationship to God and eliminate distractions, but with that purpose of growing closer to God. We do it because God tells us to in the scriptures, and we see people that have experienced benefit from it in the scriptures. And I gave you a general framework. Remember, don't take that as the only options, but in general, meditation looks like focusing on God, asking him questions, listening for answers, and then just doing that with practice. So now I'm going to walk through Psalm 46. We're finally getting to the passage that this sermon is supposed to be about. And I'm going to walk through it, just read the whole thing, and then walk through some of my initial meditations on it. The verses that I thought of and the things that I would do if I had more time to study this personally with the goal of just giving you an example, right, to show you what this can look like. And then after I'm done, We're going to close the sermon with a couple of other ways that will let you guys practice meditating on this passage too. So as I read it, be thinking about how is God speaking to you through this passage? What verses stand out to you, even if they're not the ones that I focus on? Uh, What truths about God are particularly evident that make you want to think about that more? So as as I read through it, think about that, and then I'll show you some of the things that I got from it. But Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right, so let's meditate on this passage. What can we learn about God? That's a good question to start with. One thing I noticed when I read it was that 
In my Bible, the psalm is divided into three stanzas by the translators. One stanza was on each slide, if you were following along that way. And so I started by looking for themes within the stanzas. Is there something that the psalmist focused on in each of those sections that made the translators think it was appropriate to break it up into those, those different pieces? And I think there is. The first stanza seems to focus on God being our refuge from natural disasters. And I don't mean that in the, like, nat- the way that we normally use natural disasters, but just any disaster with a natural cause. So it's more broad than like earthquakes and tsunamis and stuff. But I do think of that. And then that imagery drew my mind to the story in the New Testament where Jesus calms a storm. So like I said, the listening for answers, I thought of a passage, I'm going to go read it. So that story is in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says, on that day, oh, he is Jesus and they are his disciples, just for clarity because we're starting in the middle of a, a story. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so my takeaways from this and connecting it to the Psalm 46, I think it's comforting to know that God is ultimately in control of everything, even things that are as unpredictable as the weather. And if I had more time, there's a couple of connections between these two passages that I would dive into more deeply. One is the connection between fear and faith. Where Jesus says, are you, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And then the psalmist is writing about, we will not fear though the earth gives way. And I think there, there's something interesting there, a, a connection between those two concepts that's worth thinking about and meditating on more, maybe looking for more scriptures that connect those two. Another thing that I actually just noticed this morning while I was reviewing my notes was in the psalm, the second to last verse says, be still and know that I am God. And then Jesus rebukes the wind and the seas by saying, peace, be still. Maybe there's a connection there between the stillness that Jesus brings to creation in nature and the stillness that God offers us, another part of his creation. So you could dive into that more and look for other passages that talk about similar concepts. So I don't have time for that right now, but I would encourage you guys, if either of those are standing out to you or intriguing you, go look on that at your own time. Practice meditating on this passage and use that as a focus for learning more about those aspects of God's character. But jumping forward to the third stanza of the psalm, I see there a focus on how God protects us from man-made disasters. He ends wars, he breaks the instruments of wars, and then that results in him receiving glory, being exalted by the nations. And that that image of being exalted by the nations made me think of another passage. Uh, So I was drawn to the imagery in Revelation. It's chapter 7, verses 9 through 12 where John is having a vision of this this heavenly throne room. And he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, 
And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So there's a lot of imagery in that passage that I'm not going to get into, but just if I would, the, the core of it is the idea that God is being worshipped by people from every nation and tribe and tongue. And if I was studying this passage personally, my meditation here would look like just taking an opportunity to spend some time worshiping God. Uh, I think that's an, an interesting way to connect to the psalmist who's worshiping God by writing this poetry and who's talking about God being exalted and then connect with this passage in Revelation where John is looking forward to this future where people will be worshiping God. So if I'm going to be glorifying God for all eternity, I might as well start now, right? So I think that would be an interesting thing to do at this point if I was studying it in, on my personal time. But for the sake of time here, I'm going to keep moving. The third stanza, the middle stanza, these verses continue to emphasize God's protection and his sustaining power. That's kind of a theme for the psalm. But I notice how this stanza emphasizes God being in the midst of his people and it's in the middle of the psalm, which I think is a cool structural element that the psalmist came up with. And so just like God is protecting his people from natural disasters in the first part and man-made disasters in the third part. In the middle of everything, God is with his people and is their refuge and their strength. I think that would be, if the psalm had a thesis statement, it would be verse 7, the last verse of that second stanza, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And so thinking about that, the idea of God being our refuge and being with us, made me think of another verse, which some of you might have thought of since we're just a week after Christmas. But when we're reading the, the story of Jesus' birth, this verse often comes up, Matthew 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that was making me wonder, I, did the psalmist have any idea how with us God would become when he was writing this down, right? That Jesus would come down from heaven, take on flesh, and live as a man, and that he would do so perfectly but then be punished by God's wrath for our sin. Right, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That the psalmist might not have had any idea that that was going to happen hundreds of years later, but God still used this, this psalm to teach about his character and the way that he cares for his people, and that in, as the psalmist understood it, God was a refuge from physical, from natural disasters, from man-made disasters, uh, but he's also the, the refuge from the disaster of sin, right? That by Jesus' death on the cross, he saved us from that disaster once and for all. And so I would do, I think the takeaway from that is to do as the psalm suggests, right? as God suggests through the, the psalm, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. So be still and know that he is God and exalt him, which kind of sounds like meditation, doesn't it? Being still and knowing God. All right, so it's about to be your turn. We've talked about what meditation is, we've talked about why, we've talked about what that can look like, and I've walked through a psalm to give you an example of some of the things that I would think about. God often speaks to me by connecting different scriptures together in my head, and so that's where all of my thoughts kind of went, was this passage makes me think of this passage, makes me think of this, so that's what I talked about. But maybe you'll experience something different. So we're going to, as I close, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to start by having a scripture-guided prayer, 
So Grant is going to come up and pray through the psalm. And as he does that, I want you guys to try meditating on the psalm with him. Think about what he's saying. Think about the verses that he pulls out. Those might be different than the things I focused on, which is totally fine, right? The Word of God is living and active, and it speaks to each of us slightly differently. And so think about what I've said. Think about what Grant has, is going to say. And then when he's done, the band will come back up, and we're going to, they're going to play a song where the lyrics are based on Psalm 46. And it's a, it's a pretty complicated song that we haven't sung before here, so don't worry about it if you don't know the words or can't sing along. Just think about the lyrics as they're being sung. Think about what the songwriter pulled out of the psalm and the other scriptures that he connected it to. And just think, let it all kind of spin around in your head and think about what it's, the character of God and what, it, what is being emphasized in these different mediums of talking about this passage of scripture and that it's ultimately all pointing to God. But if you're like me and you need something a little bit more specific than just meditate on the psalm, uh, I have a, a homework assignment for you. I know it's the winter break, so here's the first homework assignment of the semester. In verse 8 of the psalm, it says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. And that word desolations in Hebrew can also be translated as atrocities or horrors. And that's true. God has brought desolations. You can think of the flood or the times where he commands Israel to wipe out entire nations in the promised land. Why would God want you to behold his atrocities? Why would the psalmist draw attention to that? That's an interesting question that the answer might not be immediately obvious. And that's okay. That's an opportunity to meditate on the scripture, to draw near to God and ask him to help you understand it. And maybe you'll think of some other scriptures that help you gain a more complete understanding of God's character. And maybe uh, what Grant prays through or what the, the song sings about will help you understand it a little bit better. I also want to let you know that during the closing worship set, there'll be people around that would love to pray with you and talk with you more about that. Like I said earlier, consulting with other Christians that you trust is a great way to try to discern what God is telling you and hear their perspectives and get more complete information. And so my hope is that uh, this has equipped you for when you encounter a difficult passage or have a question about the character of God, that you can sit down and spend time with him and focus on him and be ready to hear from him about his character and learn to connect different parts of scripture together and ultimately just go closer to him and understand him and glorify him as a result. So I'm going to close this in prayer and then Grant will come up. So mighty God, we thank you for your goodness and your your overwhelming uh, personal presence. We thank you for your character, and we thank you that you have given us so many different ways to connect to you and to learn about you and to hear from you. And God, I pray that you would teach us in this time to how to connect to you, how to meditate on you, and that as we pray and sing through your word, that it would connect with people and that people would experience you in new ways. And I thank you that your presence is approachable like that, that by Jesus dying on the cross and making it possible for our sins to be washed away, that we can approach you personally and know you intimately. And so, yeah, I thank you for that, and I pray that people would experience that today and that we would all draw closer to you and glorify you as a result. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.
So yeah, as Matthew said, I'm going to lead us through uh, some scripture-guided prayer. It's going to be the same scripture that he just preached through. <clears throat> and uh, as I do this, we're, we're going to read the text together. There's going to be some things that I do draw out as I lead us in prayer, and then there's also going to be some spaces that I give you uh, to be able to speak with the Lord on your own. So I'm also going to divide it up into those three stanzas, as uh, Matthew was talking about. And uh, part of the reason, actually, you'll see this word Selah that repeats three times. It's at the end of each stanza. And it's a little bit of a mysterious word, but most Bible scholars believe that it means something along the lines of pause. Um, so that the, the psalmist actually wants us to be pausing at each of these places and reflecting on what was just said. <clears throat> so, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. God, I thank you that you are our refuge. Think of what that is, Lord, as a, a shelter, a place that we can run to for safety. A refuge doesn't guarantee that, that storms don't come, but rather it's a, a place to go when they do come. And God, I thank you that you let us run to you, that when we do run to you as our refuge, that you don't stiff arm us. You welcome us. You invite us to come and sit right with you, Lord, in the midst of, of difficult times, and you know that there's difficult times. You know that there's all sorts of things that, that are going to cause us to fear. God, there's times that we can all just feel very, very powerless. Compared to the grandeur of our universe and the, the strength of nature, and Lord, we can feel very small. We can feel very weak. We can feel very powerless. But Lord, you are God over all of it. You have a strength that, that overwhelms even the sea and the mountains. God, help us to realize that you are our very present help in trouble. You're very present. God, let us realize that we don't need to sit in our fear and our anxiety. That we don't need to have our lives crippled by these things. Feeling like we have to control every outcome. But God, rather that when, when the mountains are slipping into the sea and the waters are roaring and foaming, when the mountains are quaking, Lord, that we can, just, we can go to you, our very present help in trouble. And so, Lord, I pray that you would even speak to us right now for uh, those of us especially that feel full of fear, full of anxiety, maybe even just loneliness. Lord, help us to, to come to you, to recognize that you're very present. Please speak to our hearts right now, Lord.
on in the psalm, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. God, when I think of your nearness to us, I think about the city of God, the dwelling place of the Most High, and how you invite us into that. Jesus, I think of the words that you spoke to your disciples, saying that in my Father's house there are many rooms, that you go to prepare a place for us, that where I am, you may be with me also. Lord, that is uh, an amazing commitment that, that you offer to us to, to come and to dwell in your house, to dwell in your city where you are the light. <clears throat> There's no need of sun. There's no need for the gates to be shut. Lord, in your city, there is a, a river flowing through it. The tree of life is there and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. God, we look forward to that heavenly city that we're going to get to dwell in with you. Thank you for what it says about the way that you really do love and care for us. Thank you for your stability, Lord. There's nations that, that make uproars. There's kingdoms that totter, Lord. I think of the mightiest kingdoms Throughout, throughout history, I, I love to study history, Lord. I, I think of great empires that have fallen into total decline. Some of them not even in existence in, at all anymore. Others that are shadows of what they once were. Lord, these nations, they rise, they fall. We get so caught up in our immediate circumstances, but... The, the only one that truly has reigned forever from the beginning of time and will reign all the way throughout eternity is you. Kings come and go, nations rise and fall, but Lord, you don't totter. And God, I thank you that we can trust in our security in you, not in the, the size of the army that we have or the, how wealthy our nation is or anything like that, but ultimately, Lord, we're citizens of heaven. And we have security in you. You raise your voice and the earth melts. God, help us to see you for the power that you truly are and to go through life with the confidence that we can, knowing that we are your children. We are connected to you. Moving on in the psalm. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. <clears throat> he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. 
Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Lord, your works are awesome. You, you have raised up, and, and Lord, you have destroyed. You have wrought desolations, but uh, just even as I, I see this, Lord, ultimately the next thing it says, he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. And Lord, we know that you have brought about desolations, but ultimately your desire is always for peace. And that even in the times that those things have been brought about, think of the flood or some of the, the conquests of Israel, Lord, that some of the terrible things that have happened, difficult things that have happened, Lord, the, the goal is ultimately to move towards goodness and righteousness and peace. Thank you, Lord, that love is, is your defining characteristic. Lord, I thank you that you're willing to go through what is difficult even to bring about what is good. I think of the, the terror and ugliness of the cross. The complete injustice that it was. The difficulty that it was, Jesus, to the point where you were sweating blood in the garden, awaiting that, knowing that you would drink the cup of the Father's wrath. But Lord, that you were willing to go about that, to will, willing to go through that horrible thing because you knew that what it would bring about is good. Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to go through what is difficult to bring about what is good. I thank you for your infinite wisdom and in knowing how to do that too. God, we trust you. I pray that you'd help us to trust you, to build our faith, to build our love for you. God, build in us the same kind of character and wisdom that you have. <clears throat> that Lord, if there's difficult things that you call us to go through, <clears throat> that we would be willing to endure them for you, for the sake of what's actually good. Lord, I know one way or the other you're going to be exalted. See, striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There is no stopping you, Lord, no matter what we think or feel or want. Um, ultimately, Lord, you will be victorious in the end. And that's just the plain truth. God, I pray that we would have hearts that rejoice in that rather than resist that. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to be your children, not just to be subjects that are, are beaten into submission, but ultimately, Lord, that you invite us to come and not just even be citizens of your kingdom, but to be your very children. Thank you that you're our protector. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you're with us. We love you, Lord, and we pray all this in your son's awesome name. Amen.
we enter into this next time of worship, as Matthew was talking about, um, we actually are just going to take time for this first song to continue in this idea of meditation and reflection. Um, and so hopefully some of the words you're about to see in this song are pretty familiar by now. Um, we're just going to continue to sing out of Psalm 46. But whatever posture you need to be in in order to help you meditate in this way, do that. If you want to sit, if you want to stand, if you want to go to the back, whatever it would be. Um, and then if you need to find someone to pray, to take next steps in this way, whatever guys laying on your heart, feel free to do that as well. But we're going to be meditating on this song, and then we'll sing a few together after that. Oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at His feet. He breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. Almighty One of Israel, You are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with fire. With us in the fire, with us as a shelter, with us in the storm, you will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go but with the Lord of my heart beats 
the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage. I know that.